in a war that started well before 2019. Secrets have been buried deep beyond the pale. We're here to reveal the truth. It's time for Vaccine War Headlines. This is a war on religion. This is a war on the children. They give you the cure with the sickness. This is a war on tradition. This is a war on religion. This is a war on the children. They give you the cure with the sickness. This is a war. You darn right, that was Jimmy Levy and High Res talking about the war on our thinking. It was it's all about this psychological warfare mm-hmm. on what is correct and what is incorrect. Information versus misinformation and disinformation and all that garbage fact checkers and all that stuff. Right. And we're in a mess now because we've got the First Amendment. I think it's freedom of speech. Mm-hmm. And then we've got the entire government and everyone with the highest powers ignoring that Constitution. That creates a constitutional crisis. Mm-mm-mm. We have been in a constitutional crisis for over three years. Yes. And possibly... More than that, if you want to go back to 2009 and talk about the birther movement. (laughs) So we are telling the truth on this program. We're not cutting corners or talking bullshit. We are telling you the truth, and it is time to tell you more truth about the number of deaths. I know Dom Lucray. I know uh, Illuminati Bot. I know other big accounts on Twitter. Died suddenly. Died suddenly. I know those guys, all of those accounts, are telling the truth about Mm -hmm. the... Hundreds of thousands, I mean, excuse me, millions of people affected by this vaccine and tens of thousands of deaths. Yes. It's nearing 40,000. In fact, you want to run over some of the numbers here? Well, we did, haven't gotten any new numbers, but I wanted to focus on the fact that through the end of the year, through December 29th, 2023, there have been 36,986 deaths in the U.S., that have been documented. Alone. Documented. In the U.S. In right. the U.S. So we also know that other countries had deaths. Significant as well. numbers yes. as well. Correct. Mm-hmm. And again, just so you know, the VAERS report is only the confirmed, the reported and confirmed cases. So many people don't even report and are... Actually, it's the doctors that have to report. So many doctors don't even report. And then the ones who do, a lot of times get kicked out. Mm, So there was an article about an autopsy that findings in cases of fatal COVID-19 vaccine-induced myocarditis stated that the COVID-19 vaccines have been linked to myocarditis, which in some circumstances can be fatal. We performed a systematic review of all published autopsy reports, including COVID-19 vaccination-induced myocarditis through July 3rd of 2023. We established that all 28 deaths were most likely casually linked to COVID-19 vaccination by independent review of the clinical information presented in each paper. And they provided this really nice flow chart. MNR of mRNA vaccine 
equals myocarditis equals the outcomes. <laughs> Arrhythmias collapse. Sudden adult death syndrome, in quotes. <laughs> so ridiculous that they even had to come up with a syndrome to cover their tracks. If you can't see this, if you can't see the hoax, if you can't see the cover-up, if you can't see this right before your eyes, there may be a really good reason for you to listen all the way through our two hours tonight to the very end. We're going to have something at the very end that may give you the power to discern truth from lies. Right. The risk factors indicated in this chart say peak risk are men ages 18 to 24. There's few to no symptoms. The detection is, if it is detected, no exercise. You don't get to exercise anymore. So that's why athletes, right? If undetected, sudden death may result. Surprise, surprise. So Died Suddenly shared this on Twitter. The Wall Street Journal recently published an article stating that doctors are baffled due to the rise of cancer in the last couple of years of young people, stating... Cancer is hitting more young people in the U.S. and around the globe. Baffling doctors. <laughs> a study in BMJ Oncology last year reported a sharp global rise in cancers in people under 50, with the highest rates in North America, Australia, and Western Europe. So what is the common denominator in these surges in turbo cancers? Hmm? The common denominator? They, they've three. come up with one? Well, this is just he was died suddenly was asking, what is the common denominator? Well, I think it's obvious. Every, and everybody else is coming up with it finally, right? Yes. There are so many different angles of evidence, things that stare at you right in the face, straight from the CDC and the NIH, and now through this research. And the common thread is? All three of those regions held strict vaccine mandates on their working class. Mm -hmm. Yep. Then Steve Kerr shared this chart. Excess deaths in Georgia is above baseline on the largest Georgia counties below since the VAX rolled out. Excess deaths are up in every county by 29% or more. Yeah. Dang. 29% increase in deaths from 2020 to 2021 comparatively and that was just through 2021 that's not even um, comparing 22 and 23 deaths so thomas rents was on alex jones and he explains in this 48 minute interview with alex jones how the drug companies knew the dangers of the shots and how the vaccines are linked to cancer alex jones described it like this exclusive Court documents prove Big Pharma knew COVID shots destroy DNA and it's linked to cancer. I'm not going to watch that one tonight because it's almost an hour, but it is there in the article if you want to go back to this article later and watch the report. Remember, that's diggingdeeper.net. 
We are digging deeper. We're digging deeper, digging deeper, digging deeper, digging deeper, digging deeper, digging deeper. We have a subliminal podcast that's over 10,000 views, okay? Diggingdeeper.net, diggingdeeper.net. Okay, you may continue. Okay. Illuminati Bot tweeted this yesterday. I recently discovered something very weird. Bill Gates invested a whopping $55 million in BioNTech that made the Pfizer mRNA injection. You will never believe the date that this happened. Oh, yeah, I do. Absolutely. Hello. Look at this. Is it just a coincidence? You know, the company that partnered with Pfizer to make their mRNA COVID vaccine and drove Pfizer's revenue to a record $100 billion in 2022, right? I had a look and found something very interesting. When did Bill Gates invest this large sum of money? Mm -hmm. Turns out it was on the 4th of September of 2019. Yep. You got it. COVID was discovered just two months later in November of 2019. Oh, yes. No. Well, Well, at least the first time that we got to hear about it. Exactly. Right? (laughs) It wasn't. This turned out to be very profitable for Gates. His investment increased by 10 times. The original $55 million was worth over $550 million in just a few years. Okay, do you remember the interview that he actually had when they were talking about different types of investments? And he said, well, there's nothing quite like you know, the vaccines because you can get a 10 times your investment immediately. Right. Yeah, what was that? How much? 10 times your investment? 10 times the investment. Yep. Mm-hmm. He's a piece of you know what. You know what? <laughs> I go, know it. Go ahead. The collaboration will fund the identification of potential HIV and tuberculosis vaccine and immunotherapy candidates and their preclinical development. It will further enable BioNTech to build out its infectious disease infrastructure, including platform development, it said in the press release. Okay, this is all garbage, but let me throw a little bit more in there. This whole thing about HIV, folks, this is so serious. This is serious now. HIV, first of all, on the whole scheme of things, on all the different viruses that they've thrown out there from then to now, actually is kind of lower on the, on the scary, but it mm-hmm. still sounds really scary. HIV, mm-hmm. AIDS sounds scary, scary, scary. But it's not quite as bad as, you know, I mean. It's just immune deficiency, which almost everybody has anymore. Which was my point. They are now calling that syndrome long COVID. Yeah. <laughs> That syndrome is long COVID now. I've got a little video on that later. Oh, here we go. Yep. Bill Gates has also donated some $20 million to the BBC. Now it is being reported that BBC misrepresented the risk of COVID in order to boost public support for lockdown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In other words, the mainstream media deliberately misled the public and scared them into supporting draconian lockdown measures and also probably scared people into rushing to get the brand new mRNA injections. Meanwhile, Gates' investment grew and grew. Did anybody ever think there might be a conflict of interest when you pay the news? Uh, You think? uh, Large, large sums of money. I mean, y'all can pay us for a little support to help us do this podcast. You know, sure, that's great. But, you know, 20 billion, million, whatever it was. 20, yeah. That's Mm -hmm. that's buying their opinion. That's buying their, their angle. One example is that they gave the impression that hospitals were being overwhelmed during the first wave. Some, mainly in London, were but 
Overall, hospital bed occupancy was not at an all-time low during that period, said Professor Woodhouse. This is such a point, such a point. But before we scroll up or scroll down anymore, you just have to notice that picture, folks. I know, isn't that freaky? Just take a look at that left eye. Look at that black eye. Look at that. Oh, that is Bill Gates at his finest right there. Uh, If you knew even half the history of him even before the virus stuff, I mean, before the... Uh, biological virus because he had viruses from the beginning that he failed at. Those are called computer viruses. Right. He was the first one to fail at defeating a computer virus. I think he borrowed some contacts from Tom. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. Well, what do you think about all this? It was fake. They're actors. They're acting. Surely it's just a coincidence that he just happened to invest large amounts of money into BioNTech just two months before COVID. No, nothing, nothing mm. is a coincidence in the big money world. Nope. It's all planned, pre-planned, practiced, and you fail a lot. There's a lot of investments that don't work out. But when you can make the laws and the contracts <laughs> mm-hmm. and be the medical opinion, when in the hell... When in the hell and who in the hell made a freaking failed computer programmer? He can't even program a computer, by the way. He's not a computer programmer. He is a negotiator, and he's a liar. And when did everybody make him a medical freaking expert? Agreed. So many are calling for Gates to be thrown in jail, but he's just one criminal in this whole farce. Rand Paul is one of the few Republicans in the Senate who understands the threat of Nikki Haley. He may be the only one who cares where COVID came from. And he says Anthony Fauci should also be in jail. Let's watch an interview with him and... Sure, we can do that. We have 22 episodes on how he should go to jail. So we're not short, you know, we're not short there. If you have any interest at all in the condition of the United States or its future, obviously you are passionately, by definition, opposed to Nikki Haley becoming president because she has no interest in the United States or its future. But if you are completely bought in to the class of people who currently run the country and who are running it into the ground, then you're all in a Nikki Haley because she's, in effect, your puppet. So it's really interesting to see people's reaction to this campaign. And most telling of all, pretty much every permanent fixture in Washington is either supportive of Nikki Haley or isn't saying anything about it. And that brings us to our next guest. He is Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky. And as he assessed the presidential race, his reaction was the following. This is a paraphrase, but it's basically what he said. He said, I'm not exactly sure who I'm for. I know very well who I'm against. I'm against Nikki Haley. So against Nikki Haley that, on principle, not personal, that he announced a new movement called Never Nikki. So it's one thing to find Nikki Haley distasteful to acknowledge that she's a bloodthirsty feminist harpy who should be nowhere near power. Most reasonable people have reached that conclusion. But to start a website, Never Nikki, suggests a level of anti-Nikki commitment that's interesting and worth talking about. Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky joins us now. Senator, thanks so much for coming on. So let's start at the end. What, what moved well, you? you. I, don't, I don't think you're being paid to do this. You're not getting you know, extra <laughs> points. You're already a U.S. Senator. We'll find out why Rand Paul did that right after this from our sponsor. In today's world, our body's immune system is critical to staying alive and healthy. Find the best immunity system building products at greengoldnaturalhealing.com. 
My wife and I believe so much in these products that we became representatives in order to help others. Visit GreenGoldNaturalHealing.com. And as always, thanks again for listening and may God bless. I'm Brian Hale. Why, why were you so inflamed by her campaign that you built this website? Well, you know, never nobody ever accused me of going halfway into anything. Fair. And it really, it gets to me at a, at a very basic level. It gets to me when I see people who I think care more about the borders of Ukraine than they care about our own southern border. And I see these people every day because they're the entire Democrat caucus up here, but they're half of my caucus, half of my yes. Republican caucus is as we speak ready to sell out and they're ready to sell out fake border reform in exchange for what they really want which is to send more of your tax dollars to ukraine i think nikki haley fits right in that camp i think she's from the she's from the mcconnell dick cheney wing of the party and this is the antithesis of everything i believe in i've spent uh, a few years trying to promote the ideas of liberty there is a wing of the party that believes in that, and I want to make sure anybody that follows the, the, what I do knows that there's no way, shape, or form I could support Nikki Haley. You've written a book called Deception, the Great COVID Cover-Up. What do you think was covered up about COVID? Uh, the fact that the U.S. government, at the behest of Anthony Fauci, funded it. Uh, the fact that they knew it was dangerous research and that they did not allow the research to go before the normal safety committee. See, we pause this dangerous research. They call it gain-of-function research, where you combine parts of two different viruses and you get a brand new super virus that has never before existed. It's brand new. It doesn't exist in nature. You have created it, which is an amazing thing, but not a good thing. When you create these viruses, there's a danger they leak out from the lab, but we had funded that. So between 2014 and 2016, people became very worried that scientists were now aerosolizing, taking a virus that was 50% lethal, like Ebola, that spreads by bodily fluids like AIDS, so it's not right. as contagious, just like sitting in a room, and saying, well, why don't we see, hey, let's see if we can mix it with this other virus and see if we can make it aerosolized. They were doing that with the avian flu. The avian flu is deadly, but it mostly kills chickens, doesn't infect humans very well, but they're like, hmm, wonder if we can make the avian flu more infectious and see if we can transmit it through the air. And then they did. They did eight targeted mutations. And so people freaked out. The whole scientific world did around 2012. 2014 to 16, they banned it. But during this period of time, Anthony Fauci continued to give exemptions to it. But here's the curious thing. The research in Wuhan is going on during this time. We've been funding research in China for a long time, but we keep funding it during the ban but we can't find records of how they got the exemption. We know it had to go through Anthony Fauci. He says approved all of this research. We can't find it. They won't give us the deliberations. They also set up a committee in 2017. They secretly reopened the door, no more ban, but there was a new committee, a pandemic safety committee that was supposed to review this. There's no way this research shouldn't have gone before the committee. And it didn't go before the committee. All of a sudden it just, boom, it was getting done. So for three years I've been asking, I wanna see the deliberations that happened at the NIH. None of this is classified, it's just science research. It's now five years old. I wanna see the deliberations on how you made and who made the decision to fund the research in China. But I still can't get it. So there's a, an elaborate cover-up. 
So I became intrigued in this. The first year, 2020, you know, I was skeptical of Fauci. I told him he was stupid to close the schools. I opposed him on everything from the beginning. I opposed the lockdowns. I opposed the bailouts. I was the only one on the Senate floor. I went back after I recovered from COVID and said no loudly. It was a voice vote. I was the only no on all that stupid stuff where people stole hundreds of billions of dollars. Dead people got a billion dollars of COVID money. I was the only no on the Senate floor. But as I was opposing this, we still, I became intrigued as the six months to a year when I was like, wow, I read this article by uh, Nicholas Wade on medium.com. Yes. Once again, he was banned Great from piece. everything. He used to be a New York Times writer, banned everywhere. I read this like 25A story and I'm like, oh my God, they created this in a lab. And I began investigating this and became intrigued by it. But then what really got me to write the book was I saw this exchange of emails between Anthony Fauci on January 31st, feeding into February 1st of 2020. They start about five or six o'clock in the afternoon, and it's a crescendo. And you know, as you, as you read something, even if it's not stated in words, you can feel the tension build, you can feel his fear build, and you can see his heart clenching up like this. The last email's at three in the morning. And at three in the morning, he emails a guy named Bob Cadillac. I didn't know who Bob Cadillac was. Other people knew him, but I didn't know who he was. And then Bob, I'm sending this article here, you know, sort of in the middle ground, but it was an article basically saying, nothing to see here. This came from nature, not the lab. At three in the morning, he can't sleep at three in the morning. About a year later, we're now two years into this, I meet Bob Cadillac, and he was working for the Senate committee, the Republicans, doing a report on the origins of the virus. And I said, Bob, why did you get that, that email? And he says, well, I was in charge of the safety committee, the pandemic committee that should have reviewed the Wuhan. And he didn't say this, but my, my implication is he's sending him an email because he's going to discover that the research that caused the virus was supposed to go before his committee and he never saw it. So the, 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 as things come together, come together, to me, it is the greatest cover up in our history, a million people died in the United yeah. States, maybe 20 million, 10, 15, 20 million worldwide. And it was funded by government, approved by Anthony Fauci, and then the cover-up. And there's a lot more in the book. We go through all the different articles, the scientific articles in Nature and in Lancet, where they came together and they lied. The people all said it was a conspiracy theory, but they didn't reveal that they were receiving money in this. Yeah. And... You got to remember that Rand Paul is also a doctor. <laughs> so he knows what he's talking about when he's talking about this health stuff. That's why he was the one to review or to, what do you call it, uh, interview mm -hmm. Anthony Fauci in session right. you know, at the Senate. Right. Andrew Brig Brig Bridgen also said, this is no surprise, Anthony Fauci funded the gain-of-function research at Wuhan. So why didn't we have a full investigation into who created and funded COVID-19? Because The Sun had reported the U.S. scientists planned and engineered viruses with the same unique features of COVID. Bombshell documents revealed. Died mm -hmm. suddenly shared this and he said, Dear vaccinated citizens, your government gave you AIDS and is blaming long COVID for it. It's time to get angry. So this is her explanation for trying to continue to control the narrative. That's what we're going to look at here. 
The reason the comparison to HIV is important is because HIV was also asymptomatic. I mean, you couldn't see the virus through symptoms because people were infected for seven, eight, nine years before they developed symptoms. But HIV quietly destroyed our immune system. And we learned a lot about immunology from HIV, and it's changed completely our cancer therapy. We're learning now about mitochondria and viral impact and brain fog and this, the changes in our neurons and the, the cells that nourish our neurons that really allow us to think and move. And we're learning that because what a long COVID has done. And so there's two sides of this coin every time. There's a lot of destruction that mild and moderate COVID can do that is on scene, just like HIV was destroying our immune system. But what came out of that is brilliant science that changed how we treated HIV. And if you're diagnosed today, you can live a, a very normal lifespan and people not only survive, but thrive. We need to get to the place where people with long COVID, we've done the research so that people with long COVID can not only survive, but thrive. <laughs> a Cuomo. Cuomo. Oh, yes. holy crap. Man, you got me fired up on this first episode. <laughs> Kids are still dying suddenly, but the doctors don't know why. I yes. think these healthcare yes, providers do. need to do a little research on their own. A 19-year-old died immediately following the flu shot. Brain swelling, coma, and death, all within 24 hours. Doctors are baffled? Right. A recent high school graduate is dead and his mother is blaming the flu shots. Yeah, even his doctors can't agree on exactly what killed him. Gene Kennedy has this heartbreaking story. You can't describe how hard it is to lose a child. Lori Webb has to do what no mother should. I hate that I'm... I'm... that I have to bury my son. A month ago, 19-year-old Chandler Webb was his typical happy and healthy self. Gearing up for an LDS mission, he went to a Sandy pediatrician for a physical. This was his first flu shot. He'd never had one before. And less than 24 hours later, he became violently ill. He said he's never shook so hard in his whole life. He had the worst headache, throw up. On October 23rd, he ended up at IMC in Murray with a team of six doctors trying to understand why the 19-year-old was so sick. They checked every virus, every bacteria, every fungus. The test came back negative. Lori says doctors dismissed the flu vaccine. Only one said it was a possibility. By that point, Chandler's brain swelled. He slipped into a coma he would never wake from. He was 19. He was, he was so happy. I hate what he went through in the hospital. When you're in a coma, you still suffer. It certainly is a tragedy. Dr. Alan Nakashima is the state epidemiologist and is aware of Chandler's case. Health officials say as far as they know, there's never been a death in Utah due to the flu vaccine. But Dr. Nakashima says it is possible. We certainly have seen associations uh, of encephalitis or encephalitis type illnesses following flu vaccine. Uh, it's very rare. And so, um, you know, we can't necessarily say there's a cause and effect here. We can say there's an association. If the vaccine took Chandler's life, Dr. Nakashima says it's one of those extremely rare cases, and she hopes it doesn't discourage the public from getting flu shots. We have uh, probably anywhere from 6,000 to 50,000 deaths per year due to flu in this country every year, and um, many of those could be saved by uh, administration of flu vaccines. So uh, at this point, we wouldn't change those recommendations. 
Yeah, except for 2020 when there were no flu deaths at all. Oh, yeah, zero flu deaths, but a record number of COVID deaths. And then the next year, very few COVID deaths, but lots of flu deaths again. About right. the same number, 80,000. Right. <laughs> Jeez. Right. So ridiculous. A 14-year-old, Amari Kreit, died Thursday after collapsing on the court while playing a home game at Moments High School. This is one of the saddest things. Well, this is important. Has there been anything sadder than the fear of losing a child when they go to basketball practice? Or out on the court in front of the entire crowd from two teams and, and out there playing and all of a sudden they just plop and just die? Instantly. Wow. Can you imagine? I can't so imagine. Wa- is there anything scarier that we've faced in our time? I don't think so. So what is what is your opinion on that before we continue? You're going to see colleges not having sports. Sports. I mean, I hesitate like, okay, son, uh, go have a good time at your practice, but don't kill yourself. Uh, what? Yeah. What? Yeah. Well, you got to literally think that way. Mm-hmm. Yep. Lord help us. Right. Well, a post on Telegram went into further detail. This is um, Dr. Peter McCullough. He was interviewed by Ivory Hecker, who asked him if the COVID shots are responsible for her dying. If the what? If the COVID shots are responsible for her death. And he said, whenever there's a death during sports, the first thing we consider is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or thickness of the heart but they test for that when they do their sure their fitness their yeah, fitness they, test. they have to have uh, good health you have to have great health to be able to be right to be an athlete this young girl amari Kreit, who collapses and dies on the basketball field we have heard so many stories at this point just in the past few years of athletes collapsing many of them dying mid-game what is going on? People want to know if, if these vaccines are associated. Uh, do you have any information on this? I don't have any direct information, but I can tell you whenever there's a death during sports, the first thing we consider is hypertrophic cardiomyopathy or a thickness of the heart that tends to develop during puberty. It is genetic and it's the leading cause of athlete death. But that's the reason why athletes see a doctor, they get a screening. Many sports programs do physical exam, EKG, and limited cardiac ultrasound to rule it out. Now the uh, sports programs in general are very good safety records because hypertrophic cardiomyopathy uh, is known ahead of time and excluded or managed. So the concern here is that what is it something other than hypertrophic cardiomyopathy? And one of the first things that would come to mind would be COVID-19 vaccination. Vaccination causes myocarditis, mainly in boys, less so in girls, but a recent paper by Holscher and colleagues, and I'm the senior author, found that the COVID vaccine myocarditis is fatal, and most people don't get a chance to have an MRI or get the diagnosis made ahead of time. The first presentation could be like this, sudden cardiac death on the basketball court. Oh my gosh, that's scary. You're just, you're saying it's fatal, but do other people recover? The vast majority recover, Uh, In a a very large series in the British Medical Journal, Open, uh, what's been described is a case fatality rate with myocarditis from the safety data that's less than 1% mortality. 
However, in the published case reports, it ranges from less than 1% to over 40%, depending on the cases and what's described. The Holscher paper described uh, 28 all-fatal cases. Suffice it to say, if this is applied to a large number of people, this is going to result in a large number of cardiac arrests, which will come into our awareness like the one you're describing. So, uh, you know, once hypertrophic cardiomyopathy is ruled out quickly by the medical examiner, by the family, they would know, uh, then we were on to considering uh, the possibility of this COVID-19 vaccine related. A message from our sponsor, The Wellness Company. Everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner, whether it comes Those in the form of the a pandemic or something much more. the vaccine more- people know is once it's in your body, you can't get it out. And what a lot of people think is that, listen, I took these vaccines. I don't want to hear a bad word about it because there's nothing I can do anyway. Now, remember, most of the doctors took the vaccine. So the doctors themselves are patients. Those doctors cannot be objective. Yeah. They want to believe the vaccine is at least safe. Do you know in major medical centers, there are no grand rounds on vaccine safety. There's no newsletters. In fact, the messaging is always deceptive, that everything is rare and the benefits still outweigh the risks. It's an avalanche of side effects. It's obvious to the public it's not rare. But remember, doctors are vaccine victims themselves, psychologically. That makes sense that they're vaccine victims just because they don't... Mm -hmm want to admit it right yeah you're right and i like that statement that he said doctors are vaccine victims denial is easier than acceptance is what mary tally md says died suddenly also posted the media is finally starting to release the truth about what happened to children during pfizer's covid vaccine trials one child was fighting for her life after receiving the second dose Pfizer pushed forward to get EUA approval anyway. Three years later, and they're finally talking about it. This is crimes against humanity. Today we begin with a little told story about COVID vaccine injuries. It's the story of Maddie, one of the children who took part in Pfizer's vaccine study on children. It's a remarkable account of what happened when Maddie got very, very sick, leading to accusations that Pfizer, the FDA, and the study leaders tried to bury her case. In summer of 2020, Stephanie DeGarry and her family learned an important clinical trial was about to be launched at nearby Cincinnati Children's Hospital. It would test Pfizer's experimental COVID-19 vaccine on 12 to 15-year-olds to see if it was safe and effective. The DeGarry's firmly pro-vaccine didn't hesitate to let their children take part. Among three siblings, 12-year-old Maddie alone was chosen to get two doses of Pfizer's vaccine rather than a harmless placebo. It proved a fateful and debilitating roll of the dice. Her second dose was January 20th um, of 2021. She had like what she described as electrical shocks going up and down her spine. Um, she said she felt like her rip, her heart was being um, ripped out. So uh, chest pain, she had severe abdominal pain. She was hunched over when she walked through the door. Um, her t- toes and her fingers were white and they were like, when you touch them, they were ice cold. Um, and painful. Did you think right away that this was probably a vaccine reaction? 100%. There was nothing wrong with her prior to that. Before long, Maddie lost feeling in her legs. Here she's scooting on the floor and using her hands to lift her legs. Gary says she was shocked when the lead study doctor offered no help. She found herself reluctantly following the advice of physicians who insisted Maddie's paralysis, seizures, passing out, all of it were caused by anxiety. When she was in her hospital stay in April, they treated her horribly. 
like they treated her like a crazy person. Maddie was rushed to the ER nine times. By the time she was hospitalized for the third time, she had heart problems, seizures, was passing out, vomiting, unable to swallow, and was fed through a tube. She was in the hospital that time for a month and a half. Hey, welcome back. I need to take this out. Oh. Studies are conducted to identify and investigate any health risks. Maddie's reaction was a giant red flag for Pfizer's vaccine. But the Daguerreys say those involved seem more interested in blaming Maddie's illnesses on anything but the obvious culprit. While Maddie was fighting for her life, the FDA granted emergency use of Pfizer's vaccine for kids as young as age 12 based on the study Maddie took part in. In a press release, Pfizer reported its vaccine had a favorable safety profile observed across six months of safety follow-up data after the second dose. No mention of what happened to Maddie. Parents across the country started rushing to get their children the heavily promoted shots. I took a trip up there to the North Pole. I went there and I vaccinated Santa Claus myself. Government slash the drug company and study folks did not want to acknowledge this as a vaccine adverse event. No, they did not. And you feel they were not honest about no, the reporting? They of reported it as functional abdominal pain, so it's basically a stomach ache that you can't explain. Congress, heavily funded by pharmaceutical industry donations, has avoided the subject of vaccine injuries for years. There were no official hearings on COVID vaccine side effects. Neither Pfizer, the FDA, or the CDC has ever talked to us or attempted to. We have never heard anything from them. By then, COVID vaccines have been given to young people for six months with sometimes tragic results. He got vaccinated on like a Friday and on Sunday, he actually Sunday morning at 1 a.m. was on life support. He was diagnosed with myocarditis. Um, doctors, of course, would not say it was vax injured, but why would a six year old have myocarditis? My son, Sean, played hockey his whole life. To continue to play hockey, he had to get a vaccine. He took one Pfizer shot and died 33 days later. The Daguerreys gave the government and those who experimented on Maddie permission to talk with us about her case. However, Pfizer, Cincinnati Children's Hospital, and lead study scientist Dr. Robert Frank declined comment and wouldn't answer our questions. Same with CDC, which also wouldn't tell us how many adverse event reports in children is received for COVID vaccines. July of 2022, we saw a neurologist that specializes in autoimmune um, reactions that cause neurologic problems. And she was diagnosed with chronic inflammatory demyelinating polyneuropathy. So basically that's where your body attacks the, your nerves. That's an immune disorder known to develop after other vaccinations too. And is reported in other COVID vaccine recipients after Maddie. In small advances, DeGarry says there's hope Maddie will eventually recover, though the family will never be the same. It's a story of opening up my eyes, seeing things. I trusted the government. I trusted doctors. I trusted hospitals. Um, what I thought they were is not what they are. We ask federal health officials if they agree with Pfizer's published claim that, quote, there were no vaccine-related serious adverse events in their study on children, but they declined to answer the question. So sad. So very sad. Did you know that some are still losing their jobs over the vax and the side effects? Listen to this. Honey Bittner, I came before you guys a year ago. I'm a nurse, or at least I was, at Rady Children's in the cardiovascular intensive care unit until Nathan and his 
misinformation pandemic caused me to lose my job. I took care of those children who came in with myocarditis after the vaccine. And I talked to the doctors because I was a charge nurse saying, why aren't we reporting these to VAERS? Who is going to report these to VAERS? It was an unspoken thing that we were not allowed to talk about openly on the unit. I've worked for 13 years in this community, taking care of some of the sickest patients. The day before I was taken away from my position, I was actively giving compressions to a child, pushing Abby, pushing calcium into his veins to keep him alive. And we did, and he went home. And yet, I was ridiculed by those who are supposed to be my colleagues and my friends. I am the face of your misinformation campaign, Nathan. I am the one who lost my career in pediatric cardiovascular ICU care. I took care of children who had COVID. I never got COVID in the hospital. I tested twice a week. I wore my PPE because I loved my job and I loved this community. Thank you. That is so wrong. The poor lady. All she wanted to do was report the cases to the VAERS report. And she lost her job over that. That's what I've got for Vaccine War Headlines tonight. I'm going to close that out. Thank you for listening to Vaccine War Headlines, a production of Digging Deeper. Theme music provided to Digging Deeper by Drucifer the Aberrant, Beyond the Pale.